And welcome back to season two of Punchlines in Politics. This is episode two of season two. And once again, I'm Josh. And I'm Brayden. And today we are going to be talking about separation of powers and some of the stupidest tweets that U.S. Uh, politicians have basically tweeted out. So this is going to be a fun one, I think. Oh yeah, this, this is going to be really fun. This is a good one. <laughs> this is a good one. So what we're going to do for separation of powers is we're going to talk about each branch of the government um, and just dive into what what they already have in place and what stuff we would like to see put in place in order to make it better. So, Brayden, I'll get you the luck of the draw. Which one do you want to talk about first? Well, I'd like to talk first about the U.S. Congress as far as the separation of powers goes. Um, more specifically, I want to talk about perhaps the introduction of term limits. Simple because, I mean, terms for some U.S. representatives and um, some senators, uh, they're, they're not too horribly long. Um, but at the same time, they are renewable. Mm-hmm. And I think that as far as some things go, that has progressed to become a bit of a two-headed monster a little bit. Simply because you have representatives and senators who say that they are for the people, and yet they're easily getting elected for decades. And the reason being is because they have the most money, the most influence, and not necessarily because they do anything specifically good for the people. Plus, being an incumbent raises your chances of getting elected by, like, what, 35%? Insanely high. Yeah. Insanely high. I mean, and you look at some of these senators and representatives, I mean... Come on. Some of these guys look like dirt. Like, they are so old. Like, you look at people like um, Mitch McConnell. Rand Paul. (laughs) Rand Paul, sorry. (laughs) You look at uh, Nancy Pelosi. You look at, you know, all of these older senators and representatives. Mitch McConnell looks like the chef from uh, the Muppets. (laughs) (laughs) The Swedish chef. (laughs) He has the same droopy face. (laughs) No, he he looks like um he looks like Master Uguay from, <laughs> from, from, from Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> there Shifu. are there are no accidents. <laughs> oh jeez, the fact oh. that he looks like a turtle is just uncanny. That man, he does. He has he, a defensive neck. <laughs> he does. It looks like his neck has just been through okay. some stuff. So yeah, back to the topic before we get too sidetracked. Um. And another thing that I, I wanted to bring up with Congress is introducing, like, a cap for salaries, you know, so that the people who are elected, even if there isn't term limits, they're not solely focused on raising their income or trying to get paid better. Like, just make a cap for salaries, have everyone earn that, so that it becomes more of a public service and not necessarily one of the most high-paying jobs you can get ever. Absolutely. And, you know, I would take it a step further. I would say, you know, it, it probably isn't healthy to have, um, you know, a, a cap completely written in law simply because you're going to have inflation. I mean, money changes. Well, yeah, it would be a variable cap, but it would still be like a, like a, everyone would have to make the same amount of money and it would be like a, a lower cap than you would want because it's supposed to be a service. You know, it's not supposed to be like, didn't one senator pull in like 30 million? 
Yeah, it's in just a year. not. It's just not right. That's outrageous. It's outrageous. <laughs> For the work that they do, that's outrageous. They sit in a room and decide whether or not I should pay taxes. I I would even argue that it probably wouldn't be beneficial for there to be any kind of variable put into law, but perhaps we put into law that the federal bank reserve should determine the the overall cap um, well, every every couple of years, I yeah. feel like. Just because I think the, the nice thing about the federal reserve, the federal bank reserve, is that um, they're basically quasi-independent. Mm-hmm. Um, so they fund themselves. They aren't politically connected at all. And it was meant to be that way simply because, I mean... It's y- money. Yeah. It's money. And you don't want it to be... I mean, unfortunately, it has become politically charged... Um, any portion of, of, of money in uh, in our government. However, the Federal Bank Reserve has remained uh, quasi-independent, which I think is really great. Um, See, what I was thinking for this is that uh, the role of the vice president is the tiebreaker in Congress, mm. right? Like, he, if there was a, a Senate vote and it's 50-50, he would be the deciding vote. So what I was the thinking... the only job I had that... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But what I was thinking is that, like, in that situation where, um, you know, the the paycheck needs to be increased, that's something the vice president can do, just like you if you work at, like, an office job. Every once in a while, your salary gets increased to match with inflation, but that's decided by your boss. So what it could be is that could be one of the enumerated powers of the vice president, and that every couple of years he could raise the cap uh, to match with inflation. He could give those kind of increases, but it would have to be for everyone and not just so one senator is making $30 million and doing nothing and another senator is advocating and doing all the work they're supposed to be doing and making no money. So what I was thinking is not necessarily like a law stating their salary has to be this, but like making a whole system to only able to adjust their salary based off of everyone, not just individual people. I would generally agree with that. However, I would probably say, for me, I wouldn't do that. Simply because the vice president has become a weird political piece. Um, You often find that the president who gets elected usually uses a vice president to further their, you know, elective attractiveness. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, for for instance, um, uh, Barack Obama chose Joe Biden. Whether or not you thought that was a good idea, um, it was nice because a lot of Democrats saw Joe Biden as a reliable, uh, long time, long time and steady, uh, you know, Democrat who who had been uh, in in service in Congress for a, a very long time. Was it forty years? So, yeah, something crazy like that. Forty years. Um, and so that obviously was a piece in helping Obama get elected. Same thing for Trump. Trump was a lot of Republicans considered him to be a little bit outrageous. Um, so what did he do? He went out and got Mike Pence, who was a, a, a steady Republican that a lot of uh, a lot of evangelical Christian Republicans were able to were able to look at that and be like, okay, I, I could definitely vote for Trump now simply because his vice president is, sub, is someone that I, I look up to. Um, Joe Biden right now, he picked Kamala Harris. And so anyone who was trying to 
make a change in in American politics. Up and coming politician. Yeah, up and coming politician. Whether you like her or not, she's a woman, so it's definitely changing time. She's the first uh, vice president to be a woman. Mm-hmm. So if anyone wanted to see that happen, if anyone wanted to see that glass um, glass ceiling break, regardless of who it was, there you have it. You have you have Kamala Harris there for you. Yeah, but um, back back into what you were talking about earlier. If you had to introduce a term limit, how long would you set it at? For senators and representatives, we'll do senators first and then representatives because okay. it might be different. I think it is different. It is so different. For, I think as, the Senate has. Should have a little bit of a shorter, in my opinion, but I'm interested to hear what you say. Mm-hmm. I I would actually say the opposite. I would say that I think representatives should be shorter, mm. whereas I think if you're in the Senate, the Senate was designed so that the best of the best um, representatives were going to be in the Senate. So they would be the ones who were extremely well-versed in the Constitution and the law and being able to use that so that they can effectively um, be this the second round of decision making for uh, for things to go into law so whereas the US representative system was supposed to be you know all these people were directly associated with the people uh, the people it's the people exactly and so that's why there's more representatives um, there's only a hundred senators. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Should stay that way. There should only ever be a hundred senators. Was it five hundred and thirty something representatives? Uh four hundred, I think, wasn't it? It doesn't matter. I think overall there's five hundred some. Yeah, I I think I think it might be like four thirty five or something like that. But. Something like that. Um, there is an exact number, but it fluctuates based upon you know who's population coming and go- who's coming and going with the representatives. Um, I would say for the senators, I would say um, I would probably put it at. Uh, it, it, it's, Senator it's, it's terms tough. are four years, right? Yes, I believe so. House is two. Yeah, House is two. So Senator is four. So I, how many terms would you do for a senator? I would say I would put a cap on three renewable. So here's here's what I would do. I would put I would do you could have three in a row, and then you would have you would need to um, step down. And then if so, it, it allows an incumbent to come in, and if you want to run again, you can. Um, I think what that does is it allows um, a breath of fresh air, and it, it you know even though it might not be. Um, one of those things that like, oh, what if, what if you have a really good Senator that you want to keep? Well, guess what? That, that doesn't necessarily mean that he can't come or he or she can't come back. You know, it's one of those things like, all right, you have three renewable in a row and then you have to let an incumbent come in. Like you have to have a new election. Um, where, whereas you cannot be, uh, one of the senators up for that election. So you have to take a term off. Um, if you come back the next four years and now you are, trying you were vying for a seat against the new incumbent if you deserve it and the people still like you then the people will reelect you that's good i think for me in the senate i have the same reasoning but the opposite way i i agree with the senate has to be well knowledge well versed you know able to know most things that other people would consider obscure knowledge 
But I think that would drive people to learn more and study more and to focus more on, you know, American government and politics and stuff like that. It would it would force more people to get involved in a way that they normally wouldn't see themselves getting involved. So my term limit, I would say, would be two terms and then two terms off before you could come back and go for it. Hmm. So giving it a lot of time for more people to get involved, more ideals. Because the whole thing was supposed to be that um, it's for the people and it's a mesh of people from all different areas. But with unlimited terms, and I think Brady and I both agree that we don't agree with unlimited terms. But with that, you're only really getting one person's viewpoint. And yes, a lot of people voted for them, but not everyone does. And whether that's a Democrat incumbent or a Republican incumbent, you want to see more ideas coming in than just one person. So that that that's just my whole thing. But for House, what would you put it at? Hmm. For House, I like two-year terms. Simply because I think that it's extreme. You'll find that it's extremely healthy to have representatives coming in and out. Oh, by the way, for Senate, we mean when we say terms, we mean like for Braden's, it would have been twelve years, and then four years off. For mine, it would have been eight years and then eight years off. Sure, and basically what I mean by that is um, you would have you would be able to have a maximum. Of, of 12. 12 years. Yeah, you're not so guaranteed 12 you years. You would be, but. you yeah, you, you would basically have an election every four years. Like, and if per, you per get years, reelected, you could go up to two for me, three for Braden. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Just in case you were confused about that, sorry. Right. Um, so, for representatives, I would say, I would like to see... I also like the two-year terms for representatives. Yeah, I, I really yeah. do. I like that. Um, I would like to see... Something a little different than Senate. Because I think Senate should be one of those things that, like, if you're good at what you do, you should be able to stay for a while. Mm -hmm. And if people like you, then you should be able to stay for a while. And we had a similar idea with that. We just had a different length of time. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you and there was a requirement to um, to take time off. Yeah. In, in order to, to, to really figure out if that, rep if that senator was effective or if it was or if he was just he or she was just you know there because and it allows he for, was the incumbent it allows for you know the average american to get involved more mm. in both ways because if you if a lot of these people run out of term limits it requires a lot of new people to step up to their shoes oh yeah step up into those shoes i like it um so for us representative i would say um, I would give it renewable eight times, and then you're done. Ooh. You're done. Okay. Because what I think it should be is it should be one of those things that, all right, you can be in the U.S. representatives for a maximum of, like, 16 years yeah, consecutively. 16 years. And then after that, I would say, you're done. Either you make it to the, the U.S. Senate... Like how it was supposed to be, mm -hmm. or you're done. Yeah, hang out on someone else's campaign. I don't care, but you should be done. Sixteen years in the U.S. representative system a long is time. a long time, and that's not always consecutive. No, sometimes you'll have you could have four, four, and then eight. Yeah, and that would be sixteen. You'd be done. I I think you should only be in the U.S. representatives for sixteen years. Cons uh, non. Well, consecutive and non-consecutive. Yeah. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this has only ever happened one other time on Punchlines in Politics, but I am going to agree with Mr. Weaver and that I agree with the whole 16 years and you're done. That's actually really good. I, I like that. Yeah. Well, I think the major reasoning with that is is that as a U.S. representative, you should be striving to be a, a middleman for the people um, almost directly. In fact, completely directly. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you can effectively do that when you're a career politician. Yeah. Um, however, as a U.S. representative, you know, you have a next destination. And that next destination is becoming good enough and being well, well-versed enough to get elected for the Senate. I yeah. think that's how it should be. Um, simply because, you know, the Senate, is, you are so much more privileged to be a senator than a U.S. representative. Simply because you are representing, uh, excuse me, you are representing a larger group of people. I mean, it's two senators to every state, regardless of population. That's how it is. And imagine, the House is based off of your population. That's how many yeah. representatives. So get. imagine you're like the rep- you're the representative of a, a, you're a California representative, but you're a representative of some rinky-dinky county that doesn't really have a whole lot of people in it. Um, and then let's say that you are in the system for 16 years and you do really well. So well, actually, that California... Um, wants to put you up for Senate. You get Senate. Look at how many people you are now represent, re- representing in a, as opposed to what you were. 50% of the population. Nuts. Yeah. I mean, nuts. 50% of the population of California. At least 50%. Which is like like a solid larger than almost I would say, half of... I would say like probably around 125 million that's people. That's nutty. Yeah. That's nutty. But um, before we go... Two down the rabbit hole because we've been talking about this a long time. We should we should talk about what what the separation of power looks like in Congress. So like, what are some of the things that they have to do in order to exercise their powers and stuff? Because really, Congress was, I would say, is the most powerful branch. Mm. Okay. Theoretically. Theoretically. Looking purely at the Article One of the Constitution where it describes it, mm. I think that they have the most enumerated powers. Well, and I think the reason for that is, is because there's so many moving parts to it. Exactly, yeah. So It's not just like one person or five people, which right. is what the judicial the, system started out as. And then that's also what the executive branch is, is it's yeah. two people. Yeah. So, I think, I think one of the reasons why the separation of powers is really cool is that uh, one of the phrases in the Constitution is all other powers, enumerated or non-enumerated, which means written down or not written down, so like come up with later, goes to Congress. Mm-hmm. They have all the other powers because it's the largest amount of people, which means the largest amount of people would have to agree in order to use those powers, which is really smart of the founding fathers. Mm-hmm. They're like, they, they were playing 40 chess. They're like, in the future, there's going to be a million more powers. And all of those powers should go to the Congress because we don't want the one person in office as the president and the vice president to have all these powers and be able to do whatever they want. And we don't want the judicial system to have all these powers because their job is just to decide, not necessarily to make to make these rules. So separation of powers is really cool because not one branch can do it without the other, which is how it's designed to be. And I would argue we're even moving away from that a little bit. But 
what are some of the things that in Congress that you see as separation of powers? So I think a very big one is that everything that goes through Congress, um, basically has to go through two houses. Mm-hmm. I mean, not basically, it does. Um, usually you find that the representatives, that's where all that goes into committee. Um, if, if it builds good enough to go to, uh, the floor, they'll discuss it on the floor. If it makes it through, they'll send it to the Senate. And then the Senate has to deliberate, um, and figure out if it's worth sending to the president's chair. Um, that's a, a, a much easier vote to make simply because it's less people. Mm-hmm. Um, but once it goes through the Senate, it goes to the president's chair. Which right in there is one of the separations of powers because even if the Senate and the House both pass it, the president doesn't have to sign it. Exactly. Which means that they're still limited by another office. Oh, exactly. And I think, you know, whereas you can say that Congress kind of limits itself, um, even more so, the president can limit it. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Congress can limit the president's limit on Congress. And then the judicial system can listen. Whoa. And then the judicial system can limit them both by vetoing it if it's unconstitutional. Oh, yeah. I mean. It's 40 chess, guys. It, it's, <laughs> it, it's just such a incredible system of checks and balances. And I think, you know, whether you agree with the institution of America or not, you kind of have to give credit to our our founders. You have to give credit to our framers simply because, I mean, how? Mm-hmm. How do you predict future this well? Yeah. How are you able to be so, like, so well-versed in not only law, but also the, the very nature of government in order to say, you know what, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fail. It's yeah. going to fail unless we have some kind of checks and balance to, to maintain uh, order within the government just to make sure that no one is able to have any kind of tyrannical tendencies mm. or, or, or even some kind of government overlord. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just not going to happen, which is great. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you completely. Um, the founders were ridiculously smart. And putting in this system because it allows the three-part government to actually function as one part. Even though they are separate, they still have to come together in order to get anything done. So we've spent like 25 minutes on Congress, so we should definitely move to – we'll move to the next one. So would you like to talk about judicial or presidency next? Ooh, I'd like to talk about the presidency. The presidency? I would like to talk about the presidency. All right. So let's let's first, let's do the same as Congress. We'll dive into how, like, some changes we'd like to see happen. Mm. And then we'll dive into what their actual separation of powers looks like. Which mm. for the president is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It's pretty straightforward. I would say, as far as changes goes, um, there's only really one thing that I, I can see that's dangerous towards checks and balances. And that's the institution of executive orders. And I think it's a rocky pathway because executive orders, they, they are weird. It's basically the president's way of getting around Congress to do things that he wants to do. For but, example, like the in 2017, it was like the ban that Trump did on flights from Muslim states or whatever or countries. And then more recently, what was one of Biden's? I don't remember. I mean, Biden had a ton. Yeah, he did a lot of them at the very beginning. So, I mean, all presidents do it. 
but you can look it up. It's pretty easy to see the list of them. Mm-hmm. And and I would say with this is that I I I understand the concept of executive orders being one of those things that like if you need to get something done fast, you can't always wait for Congress to do that because Congress is meant to take a while. Yeah, like, it's whole it's designed to be slow. Exactly. And and as angry as some people can get at Congress is like, "Oh man, they get nothing done." Well, no. <laughs> Actually, it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be, if they do anything, it's going to be deliberated extremely far. Like I would going... argue that sometimes they take it too far. Okay, And that yeah. they, they do drag their feet because, yeah, you know, I would say nowadays politicians are inefficient and greedy. But that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> that is a conversation for another time. But today, we're just going to talk about the separation of powers. <laughs> so, um, I would say... Sponsored, by the way. Sponsored by Congress. <laughs> FCC, we're not sponsored. <laughs> we're not sponsored by Congress. Check it out. We're good. Um, uh, basically, I would just say for the president, I don't know how I would redo that, simply because executive orders are so... It's just sketchy. They're both needed and not needed. Exactly. So the nice thing about ex- executive orders is that at any... like, It basically only lasts like four years. Well, the thing is, the judicial system can overrule an executive order. Oh, they absolutely can. And they absolutely do. They but, have, yeah. Th- but the only, like, issue is, is that then you're, you're just giving more work to the poor Supreme Court. Like, yeah. come on. Like, those guys already have so much They need a plate. vacation. They do. Someone, <laughs> you know, take these people to, like, I don't know. Disney World. Yeah, Disney World. Let, let's take them Sponsored, to, like, by the way. Mumbai. Sponsored by Disney. Sponsored by Disney World. Not sponsored by Disney not sponsored by Disney. We're not sponsored by the rat. The rat. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, we're also not sponsored by Chuck E. Cheese. So. Chuck or e. Cheese, or Chuck E. Cheese Esquire. Um. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese GQ. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese Europe. Um. <laughs> so, uh, basically, with executive orders, it's, it's a rocky path. It really is. Um, and I, I don't know how I would... Per- really change it I, I would probably just say you know you probably need some kind of badge of approval to make so many executive orders or maybe you even have like a limit of what you can actually do as an executive order yeah, or, how maybe, many, or how many you can make maybe like just a a, enumerate what the executive <clears throat> orders can entail. like but see therein lies the problem though is that yeah, you're giving more power yeah. to a different I guess, yeah, I guess maybe limiting how many you can do. That's what I would say. Yeah, that that would probably be the only one that you could. Because I, I agree with you. I think as, the presidency is pretty simple. You mm-hmm. know, there's not really a whole lot of things you can change. I love term limits. Oh, I love it. No one should be able to be president for longer than eight years. Even though we've had presidents who have been longer than eight years. That's wartime. Well, okay, yeah, but we also, okay, if you think about it. So, um, the longest presidency... Was FDR's, mm-hmm. and that was during wartime. Yes, but at the same time, that was also during the Great Depression. Yeah, and we owe FDR for that. I mean, he got us out of that. He did. He got us out of that, and he also put us in debt. But you know, that's kind of what it, there the was no yang. other option. It's yeah. the yin yang. I mean, Hoover tried it. Hoover failed. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's why he just lost election to FDR. So, so I think that's that's all I'm really going to say about the executive, just because you know. Executive orders, they kind of suck and they're kind of sleazy, but at the same time, like, you can't really limit what he can and can't do. Maybe how much he can do it. Like, maybe, hey, don't be doing 127 a week. How about that? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing really else I could say either. You you kind of summed it up perfectly in that 
there's not a whole lot to the presidency, you know? It's it's a pretty simple office. So some of the checks and balances that they have for the presidency, uh, like we said about Congress, he can veto stuff, whether that's from Congress, he can overrule the Supreme Court. Um, again, even if he were to veto Congress, judicial system can overrule that. Or if he was to overrule the Supreme Court, Congress could like overrule what he did there. So no matter what, it can be undone. But he do ha- he does have the powers to overrule each branch. Yeah. In that, in the case where he would deem that necessary. So let let's move on to our last system, which is the Supreme Court. Let me first just say these people need a vacation. Yeah, Again, dude, these people are work. Get these get these poor people like to <laughs> Nassau Bahamas or something like that. Like, please, <laughs> these they need a vacation so bad. Um. In any case. Um, I want to first talk about court packing and what you think about court packing. Court packing. That's a good one. Um, I will say, I the Supreme Court started at four. I want to say, yeah, four. It started at four when it was like originally founded. And that didn't work because they just kept tying. So they upped it to five. And then from there they went to seven and there they went to nine. And I think they should stop at nine. Because nine is the perfect amount where you can have a broad spectrum of people, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's still like it's impossible to tie unless someone abstains from voting, I guess. But like it, it's a perfect number. You don't need more, you don't need less. You know, it, it gives you the space, but to add more people in order to swing the court in your favor, no matter who it is, Republican or Democrat, it's just sleazy almost. Mm. It's like, you're just trying to shift the favor to you. Like the whole purpose of the court is that they are there and they're making their decisions. And if you are lucky enough to appoint a Supreme court judge, then you're lucky enough to do that. But if you just increase the office so you can put more judges in there, people are going to see right through that. Absolutely. I know. I agree with that. Um, I think also, um, so for those of you that don't know what core packing is, core packing is basically when one side, yeah, one side of, uh, of like a political spectrum, uh, uses their power in Congress and the executive basically to say, all right, it's time to institute, uh, more, uh, justices in our, in the Supreme court. Um, and that's simply because they want they want they want their side to be better represented in the uh, in the Supreme Court, whereas that's not even the case. Like that's that's not the purpose for the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is supposed to be a a machine that basically is unbiased completely. Um, one of those things that they are able to look at the Constitution, um, make that kind of a constitutional review without any kind of political affiliations or political or politically charged um, aspirations. And so when we're looking at these, you know, these Supreme Courts with these political agendas, it just seems wrong. Like the, the purpose of these justices is to be that they are there to look at the Constitution for exactly how it is written um, and interpret it based upon how they read it, basically. So uh, it's it's just it's it's one of those things that you don't want court packing if you believe that the Supreme Court should be an unbiased machine. 
Yeah, I would I would wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, and I think, you know, picking judges based off their political affiliation also kind of just that kind of defeats the whole purpose of the Supreme Court. Like the whole point is for them to be completely neutral and to make decisions based off of the Constitution and law, you know, not based off of, oh, the Republicans want this and the Democrats want this. There shouldn't be that kind of choice. It should be what is right and what is wrong. It's a very black and white choice. Mm. You know, it's simple, but people are just picking people that they know to be either, I would say, extremely Republican or extremely Democratic. And they're not caring about what the judge's office is actually supposed to be because they're just trying to get more power. Mm. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, by keeping the Supreme Court unbiased, you're basically ensuring that the Constitution is being followed to the T. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was the purpose of the Supreme Court, was to basically say, well, hold on, everybody. What does the Constitution say? Um, and for the most part, I think the Supreme Court over the years, I mean, they've had some troubles, but they've been, I mean, come on. They've made some incredible decisions mm-hmm. um, that have really shaped the entirety of American history as we know it. I would say they've changed the world. Oh, yeah. By setting precedents for things that you haven't seen anywhere else. Oh, yeah. And and I think, you know, that's huge. Um, they've made mistakes, sure. But what institution is ever not going to make mistakes? Mm-hmm. The nice thing about the Supreme Court is that everything is always going to be up in the air. So, like, if they make a decision, they can always overturn it. They can always be like, ooh, yeah, we made a mistake. Yeah, ooh. I would say it's the one office where correcting your mistakes is the best thing possible. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things that like if if you're if you're the Supreme Court and you're changing something that has already been decided because you're looking at it and you're like oh man maybe we maybe they weren't looking at the Constitution in the right way mm-hmm. or maybe they this was a politically charged uh, decision. decision it's that's a good thing yeah. we should be doing that we should be doing that um, so. That's kind of why the Supreme Court is my favorite branch because it is a collection of the most, like some of the smartest people in America, and some of the, like just absolutely the the just the most well versed in law, and in the Constitution, like these guys are the best of the best. Usually, usually, they are the best of the best, and and it, it, it's nine. It's nine of these dudes in the Supreme Court. That's Awesome. I, I and don't ladies. See, dudes and ladies. Um, but like, like it, it, it's, it's just, it's awesome to see how they can work together. But at the same time, it's unfortunate that, become, that it, it's become a bias. Oh, uh, I would 100% agree with you. It's, yeah. it's, it's unfortunate because the Supreme Court has become politically charged. Um, these nominations have become politically charged. Mm-hmm. All right, we are coming up on the 40-minute mark, which means that we are going to switch over to what I think will be one of the funniest sessions on this show. <laughs> this is this is my favorite part. The cream of, of our the show. crop. The cream of the crop. My favorite part of the show. 
Um, it is the punchlines portion of punchlines and politics. Yeah, baby, it's back. That today is we're, back. we're not doing we're not doing memes. This is second season. We've matured. Yeah, get with the program. We're not describing memes to you, idiots. We're gonna read some stupid tweets. Yeah, stupid <laughs> tweets, and you're gonna listen to them by major politicians. These are people that be like a lot of people voted for. Sponsored by Nancy Pelosi. Sponsored by NordVPN. We're not. Sponsored we're not sponsored by, by either NordVPN. We're not. Nancy Pelosi, if you want to sponsor us. NordVPN, if you want to sponsor us. NordVPN, I wouldn't take your money. Probably, well, I would. No, because I like BetterNet. And this episode <laughs> is sponsored by BetterNet. <laughs> All right, Brady. I, really, you... I really thought that that's where that was going. <laughs> I want you to read... Uh, we're not sponsored by BetterNet. We're not. I want you to read your, your first stupid tweet. We both have two tweets that we're going to read to you guys. Jeez. Oh, lordy. Let's take a look. So, I have this one right here. Um, Anthony Weiner, uh, a Democrat from New York. Back in uh, late May in 2011. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> this, dude, this dude writes, TiVo shot, Facebook hack, is my blender going to attack me next? Hashtag the toaster is very loyal. <laughs> Keep in mind, people, this man is in Congress. This dude is in Congress. Dude, this dude. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> Hashtag the toaster is very loyal. Yo, straight up, though, the toaster is pretty loyal. I wonder how many, like, actual hashtags of that there are. I wonder if that's the only one. If you follow us on Twitter... Please tag us in any tweet that you see. Hashtag the toaster is very loyal. We need to know who I'm puts that. I'm super interested. We in need to know who puts it on their Twitter. <laughs> All right. So my next one is going to be by Keith Ellison. Um, he was a uh, Minnesota Democratic me- uh, representative. Um, August 2014. He decides to say this. Oh, geez. Um, hell yeah. Benny Hanna up in this expletive. <laughs> Yeah. This, dude, this dude just is in love with Benny Hanna, and I think <laughs> I don't think I've ever been to a Benny Hanna. Me neither, but that's so funny. <laughs> Why does he love Benny Hanna so much? Heck yeah, brother! Heck yeah, Benny Hanna, brother! <laughs> All right. Oh so, my gosh. <laughs> what I'm gonna say is the crowning tweet of the day. Uh, my Jeez. personal favorite by Rawl R. Labrador from Idaho, the Republican, a Republican tweets, me likey broke girls. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to say that again in case you couldn't hear me, me likey, likey broke girls. <laughs> this is right. a actual tweet. All right. All right. So, so I feel like we do need to give a little bit of give background. The, on give this the one. context. Yeah. All right. So this is a, a tweet for some reason, like he felt the need to respond to this. So it was a Super Bowl commercial back in uh, 2013. Um, it was a, a response to a promo for the CBS sitcom Two Broke Girls. It only lasted like 14 seconds, but but apparently, according to Raul, it was a doozy of a 14 seconds. So in context, it's not as funny. But when you look at it, just dude, I don't know. It's kind of funny. This man saw a, a commercial <laughs> and was like, "This is the appropriate response." But when you look at yeah, it, like broker. when you look at it at like face value, you're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> when we first found that, we were crying. 
Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do uh, another one. So this one was a oh my gosh. All right, so this is John Dingle, a representative. Um, I I don't know his uh, uh affiliation as far as politically. Uh, political goes. Um, John Dingle tweets, Staff has now informed me of what a Kardashian is. I'm only left with more questions. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all, John? Aren't we all? (laughs) Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this has been five of the stupidest politician tweets of all time. Uh, If you like this segment, let us know. Maybe we'll do some more tweets because there is no shortage of dumb tweets on the internet. There there really isn't. And we just, we want you to send us all of them. In fact, I would say Twitter is one of the best places to find dumb things. Oh, it's the only, like, it's the only true place to find dumb things anymore. Like, (laughs) if you want real, real stupidity, (laughs) if you want real stupidity, just look at Twitter. It's coming straight from their mouth. Yeah. So let us know if you like this segment. Maybe we'll do another one just like it. Maybe we won't do politicians. Maybe we'll do some other things. I've been looking at some celebrity tweets that were just hilarious recently. But thank you again, guys. This has been episode two of season two of Punchlines and Politics. We should really revamp that name. We Yeah, we should. Yeah. Needs a revamp. Yeah. Let us know on Twitter. What do you think we should rename the podcast? If you really want it to be... Two idiots talking about nothing for an hour. We can do that. We can change it to that. I mean, yeah. it's a bit of a long title, but you know, we can make it an acronym. It could fit on a billboard. I don't know. Could it? Yeah. Wait. It could fit what on would two idiot T I T? It could be just the number two. Two idiots two. talking. T I T A. Two I N. Two I T. Titan. Titan. Two idiots talking about nothing. Two idiots talking about nothing. This just in, folks. This was. Oh my this god! Was, this was a. Uh, you guys heard that live. We'll be called Titan Podcast. That's Titan awesome. Podcast. Titan Podcast. Uh, let us know on Twitter if you like that name because that's oh, so cool. That is dope. That's dope. That was off the dome. Titan Podcast. That way we can talk about more stuff. Yeah. Just like ridiculously Open dumb the things. door. Open the door. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Oh my gosh. Well, All right. So let us know what you guys think. Um, and before we sign off for this week. Brayden has a bonus tweet. Bonus. My bonus tweet is not the tweet of Senator Schumer smoking grass outside of a wedding. No, it's not. And it's not a Donald Trump tweet either. It is Senator Chuck Grassley. <laughs> and, and this is just, I don't know if this is what he meant, but he really should have elaborated on this. Uh, Chuck Grassley says, Windsor Heights Dairy Queen is a good place for you know what. <laughs> what? What is it, Chuck Grassley? What? Come on, Chucky boy. Come on, Chucky boy. Tell us. What is it? <laughs> Tell us. Well, thank you, guys. This has been uh, another good episode of Punchlines and Politics. Oh, my gosh. So good. Um, tune in next week. We will be probably continuing down the political road. We have a lot of special guests incoming. And then we will also be having uh, another special guest who you know, is a, a pretty good friend of both of us. Mm-hmm. Um and we're going to talk about uh, freedom of religion again because I feel like we didn't spend enough time on it. We absolutely didn't. I feel like that could do like four whole episodes. So stay tuned for that. We got a lot of things planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, check out our Twitter at and punchlines, A N D punchlines. Which could be changing soon. It might be changing to Titan. Oh, it's so cool. Two idiots talking about nothing. And even with the name change, uh, please keep listening, guys. We will be continuing to do political stuff. That's something we're both very passionate about. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we just want to open the door to some other things, too. Uh, we're two very dumb people, and we like to talk about how dumb we are. We are very dumb. And, <laughs> y- y- you know, uh, it's it's one of the things that we also have passion for. It's yeah, just how dumb. stupid we yeah. are. All right, guys. So, catch us next week. These mm-hmm. episodes are going to be coming hopefully two times a week now. Yeah. This episode will be going live on Saturday. Oh, yeah. So, stay tuned. Um Episodes should be coming out just for your schedule Saturdays and Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. So uh, just stay tuned, keep updated on it, and make sure you hit the play button because we want to keep doing this. Yes, we do. We want to keep doing this. And, you know, we're not sponsored yet. Not sponsored yet. Not sponsored yet. Uh, SEC, come sponsor your boy. Um, <laughs> we want the people who oversee sponsors to come sponsor to come us. sponsor us. <laughs> That's how good of a podcast we are. Um... So yeah, uh, thank you so much, guys, for uh, listening to this. Um, we appreciate your your patronage to us, even though you're paying absolutely nothing to listen to us. Um, also, thank this episode was a little scattered, so thank you, thank you for sticking through this. Thanks week. for sticking through it with us. We hope you enjoyed that last segment. We know we sure as heck did. It's pretty early in the morning. It, so. it is. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like ten thirty. Oh geez, we started recording at like nine thirty, and we woke up at nine fifteen. Yeah. So <laughs> the this entire uh, this entire episode was just uh, an evolution of off us the being, cusp. We decided yeah. when we hit the record button what we were going to talk about. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> As you can see, we are aren't totally prepared. Um, we're not professionals. We're not professionals yet. 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 Come Titan sponsor podcast. your boys. Titan podcast. Come sponsor your boy. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, we appreciate every single uh, every single listen that we get. Um, keep it up. If you like your what you what what you're hearing, um, go ahead. Send us a a message through Twitter. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, um, what you want to hear in the future. Um, again, thank you so much for listening. And we're going to go ahead and sign off. See you guys next week. Yep, see ya. And we're back for just a quick update. Um, we are now going to be switching up the name. Uh, like you heard in the episode, we on the fly came up with one of the coolest names for a rebrand ever. So instead of Punchlines and Politics, welcome to Titan Podcast. That's right. So it's going to be Titan Podcast, two idiots talking about nothing. We're really excited about this name. Uh, if you check Twitter, uh, you'll see everything is different. Totally rebranded. Um, just follow the link. Uh, I tweeted out some new stuff about the name. Some sick new logos and stuff, all designed by Brayden. I'm super good. Um, just check it out. It looks awesome. It you can see awesome. it if you check the recording logo. Um, like right next to the episode, you'll see one of the new one of the new logos. We have three. So make sure you can see them all. Check it out. Looks really cool. It but, does look uh, cool. We're looking forward to what the future holds for this. Okay, Absolutely. everyone? Again, Titan Podcast. So our new Twitter handle is going to be at T underscore I underscore T underscore A underscore N underscore all caps P-O-D. I know it's a, uh, it's a mouthful, but let's be honest. It's better than at and punchlines. That was so cluttered. If you just copy paste it, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's just, yeah. Also, there's links in our podcast. There's links for everything. Yeah, so. there's links. for It'll take you wherever you want to go. Yeah. Just follow the links if you don't feel like putting in a whole bunch of underscores. I know I didn't. If you go to Twitter and you click the uh, website in, my, in our bio, it'll take you right to this really clean looking page with... Mm-hmm. Uh, all of our episodes and all the information listed right there. So. Designed by yours truly, Josh and Brayden. Thank you. So we're going to be completely rebranding. Um, we're still going to talk about politics. We're still going to talk about 
you know, everything we wanted, but we wanted to open it up to a little bit more. We did. And and starting off season two, we, we talked about this a little bit, um, that we wanted to open the door to new opportunities to talk about whatever we really wanted to talk about. Um, unfortunately, the, the name Punchlines and Politics, it really... It, 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 it limited it us. It limited <laughs> us. It really did. The title itself limited us. Could we have talked about other things? Sure, but that would be going against kind of the purpose of the podcast. Um, now with the rebranding and the new name, uh, we can talk about whatever we want. Which, you know, whatever we want is kind of a broad spectrum. So so this will be the second and final episode of Punchlines and Politics Season 2. Mm-hmm. The next episode you hear coming out on Wednesday. It's going to be Titan Podcast. Episode 1, Season 1. So stay tuned. So very short second season. Very short second season. Reboot. We're doing a but reboot. Stay tuned and we hope you guys enjoy. We'll yep. catch you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Titan Podcast.